All right, Pradesh, you want to kick us off? All right, I'm going to kick us off by uh, one of my favorite diplomatic incidents uh, that India has been involved with. This is with the former president, rest in peace, Pranab Mukherjee. He was on Israel on a diplomatic visit and he was addressing the Israeli parliament. He thought he's going to build a cultural bond by talking about what unites India and Israel and how Indian food loves some of the food that's also popular in Israel. So he wanted to talk about how Indians really enjoy hummus and appreciate hummus. Unfortunately, Pranab Da being Bengali has a certain accent. And what he told the Israeli parliament that day was that Indian people really enjoy hummus. And uh, yeah, suffice to say that didn't go down too well. He was met with a lot of confused faces and a fair amount of bad press, not the kind of press he wanted to generate. Oh my God. So, uh, do you have any examples of how the press reacted? Were they like Indian prime minister supports Hamas? Well, I did read a couple of good headlines about how he left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Ah, oh, good joke <laughs> with the hummus. Yeah, so that, that one's one that always stands out for me. It's just the absurdest thing that you could possibly imagine, but it did happen. Oh, man. So I, I have a good one, too. Um, I have, so in Sri Lanka, more recently, um, the health minister of Sri Lanka offered to sacrifice herself to the sea to save Sri Lanka from COVID. And this was essentially the headline, right? So the background here was that the health minister, her name is Pavitra Wani Arachi, mouthful I know, said that she's willing to offer herself as a living sacrifice to the sea to eradicate COVID-19 from Sri Lanka if that was possible. So the whole thing happened because she was getting a lot of backlash for her for how she had handled the, the situation so far or, or lack thereof of handling the situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Essentially what happened was that she had taken the advice of a spiritual healer oh, and decided to throw a pot full of holy water mm-hmm. into the river, into one of... You mean she took it out of the river and then she threw it into the river? I have no idea where she got the water from, but essentially this is apparently blessed water that was in a, in a, in a clay, uh, I think a clay pot with a plastic covering on top, no less, right? And the whole thing was just chucked in the river. Now, this river is also one of the largest water distributors in, in, in the country. So it's an important body of water as well, right? So... And, and while she was doing all this with the press, with her entourage, with other ministers, she was not wearing a mask. Oh, my God. Right? So not only... Well, she, that's what the sacrifice is for. What's the point of wearing a mask if so, the sea or the river is going to protect you? So this is my thing, right? So like it's like, A, the, the headline was ridiculous. But B, just like you're supposed to be the minister of health. Like I'm okay with you minister symbolically. Health, yeah. yeah, I'm okay with you symbolically, you know, like... Let's let's pray. Like you, you can have your spirituality, and I respect that. You can be like, we're gonna put some holy water into this river. Makes sense. But the fundamentals, man. Tell people to wear masks. Tell people to stay at home. Tell do do that stuff. Don't be like, I'm gonna. And then, and then don't be like, oh, if I could sacrifice myself, it'll I, I would do it. Because no one's gonna ask you to do it, and you're not actually gonna do it. I mean, to be fair, when Modi did demonetization, he did say that if in 50 days. Black money was not eradicated, and if everything was not beautiful again, that he would stand on whatever street crossing in India and let people burn him to death. And people didn't take him up on it back then, but I think a few of them want to do that now. But from this story, I never knew Poseidon was the one in charge of COVID. Yeah, that's news to me. The second thing is, I think when you do that kind of human sacrifice, I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions here, but I think you do need to be a virgin. 
no judgment from my end. But at the same time, or during a similar period of time, um, there were actually like, I think a hundred or so whales that were being washed ashore. Oh, right. And I saw a really, yeah, that's my point. I saw a really funny post. And, 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 and actually a lot of people, a lot of Sri Lankans volunteered in getting many of these whales back into the ocean. So kudos to them. Well, well done. That, that, was, that was very impressive. But somebody had actually put a post up on, I think it was on Facebook, he said, who, who had posted this particular article about the, about the health minister and then said, at the same time, the ocean is saying, hell no, <laughs> and, 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 and beaching all of its whales in protest. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a joke, man. It's just people, like, if you can't take your health minister seriously during a pandemic, that's a problem. I think what I respect is that this is the logical extension. You know, she's walking the walk. Like, politicians in Europe and America will always say that their thoughts and prayers are with you. She's going out and doing the thoughts and prayers for you. You know, I, I think she's the real deal. Like she's, she's actually living up to her word. What a hero. Yeah. So... And this is the headline, and this kind of so I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you how I reacted first. The headline was literally, "Sri Lanka's former minister eats raw fish," <laughs> right? And I was eating sushi. No, you just so so I, so I so I was like, okay, clickable. This is this is definitely clickbait. I clicked yeah. on it as intended, um, and I read the article. Basically, a former minister of fisheries. He was at this press conference, and. He, he wanted to draw attention to the plight of the fishermen. Basically, what had happened was because of COVID, mm-hmm. a lot of fish markets were shut down because they ended up being hotspots for, for, for yeah. spreading COVID. And then this rumor got around saying that, um, people, uh, that, that, that fish itself could be spreading the disease, right? But essentially, what happened at this, this press conference was he was like, we should eat more fish, right? And he grabs a, a, like a raw dead fish. And just bites into it. And it's like, it's completely safe. That's right? disgusting. It, disgusting, yes. Effective, also yes. Right? So this is, this is where, okay. Your politicians are walking the walk, man. No, but this is my thing, right? Like, so when I first saw this, my first instinct, my first reaction was to laugh at this. I was like, what an idiot. What a joker. This is some soundbite that he's doing. It's and like, game, yeah, right? Or in the teeth. In this and, and, then, and then I thought about it a, a little bit more. And I'm like, what actually this guy is, is like you said, he's walking the walk. He was like, I want to showcase to people that it's actually safe to eat fish. A couple of days later, like I think the, the medical association of Sri Lanka, or whatever, then put out another statement saying it's not safe please to eat. eat yeah. Please, <laughs> please cook your fish. I mean, <laughs> I thought that was really funny too. But my point is like the end goal here was to convince people that fish is safe to consume and it doesn't spread COVID. Like the next TikTok challenge. Right. Yep. Do the, do the fisheries minister challenge. Eat a raw fish. But I was annoyed, a little annoyed about the headline because like everybody in Sri Lanka was like, what a moron, what a moron, what a moron. And, 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 and I don't think they were being unfair because the headline very was just being like Sri Lankan minister eats raw fish. Right. And it doesn't go into too much. The article doesn't go into too much detail. It, it kind of focused on the fact that this is a crazy man who eats raw fish. Right. But I think, I think, what he did was was good to a point, but I also think that he could have been like, "Look, I'm eating this fish to show you that it's okay, yeah. but please cook your fish as well, right?" So, like, like build some credibility while you're doing this. Stay in the game. Exactly, ex- exactly, right? So, 
I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I, but I feel like this is the kind of stuff that only happens in like South Asia. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, like, uh, where, 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 I don't know if other other ministers biting into fish. Um, but yeah, just, this nuts. Well, I have a reverse story. Nirmala uh, Sitaraman, erstwhile Defense Minister of India, current Finance Minister of India. Uh, you know, one of the key factors that you always look at when you're talking about the economy and Indian inflation and things like that is the price of onions because obviously all households are buying onions and uh, it kind of it's a good signal for the farmers produce and the farmers markets and everyone needs onions for cooking or like the vast majority of the country does anyway so the price of onions is always a key indicator about both inflation and the general state of the economy and in general, like it's a huge issue because people do need cheap onions yeah. because everyone's buying them to use at home. So recently, uh, and this is pre-COVID to be very honest with you, the economy was in a state and the prices of onions had skyrocketed. And in a press conference, Nirmala Sitaraman was asked about the skyrocketing price of onions and you know what she plans to do about it and how she's looking at the problem. What was her response? Oh, I have to know. What, what did she say? Actually, in my family, we don't eat onions, so, oh, so I she doesn't care by this. Oh my <laughs> and god! I don't know much about onions. Oh no! Yeah. Sorry, what was she minister of again? Finance. Oh. I would have rather seen her bite into a raw onion than have her say that. Oh, uh, and then and what was it? And how did the media react to that? How did people react to that? Well, they they quoted her pretty much verbatim, and you can imagine how the reaction went down. It did spawn a lot of good memes, though. Like, look, sometimes I do feel bad for politicians because it, it, it's a tough job, but it's also a job they ask for. That's unforgivable. Yeah. And, and then and then just saying, I'm sorry, it's not my problem, yeah. especially when you're um, in power and responsible for the economy. Like, yeah, onion's going up, not my problem. Um, I eat steak. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's, well the, you know, the other big indicator for the Indian economy they always use is auto sales. Because you know, burgeoning middle class and everything, so they always look at the auto. Sector. So when you say auto, you mean you mean you mean like like tuk tuks, or do you no, mean cars, like okay cars, cars okay, got it, okay. Right? So so they always look at that because obviously it's one of the biggest employers, especially private employers in the country. And then again, it's like a big indicator. Middle class has money; they buy more cars, uh, or they buy new cars, or you know, more and more people now have enough money to buy their first car. There's many ways of looking into this. So the auto industry was taking a real beating again for over a year. And again, when Nirmala Sitaraman was asked about it, her response was that uh, there's a millennial mindset and people are taking more Ubers. That's why the auto industry has slowed down. Which So, okay, we're talking about like economics, right? Um, I don't have a news article for this. This is something my dad told me many, many, many years ago. And I'm so I won't, I won't mention the, the name of the minister... Uh, in question here because I don't I don't have an article to prove this so I'm yeah. just going to say the story my dad told me so this guy this minister was at a rally in Kandy many years ago and he was talking about how successful the government has been right up until up until that per- period of time or whatever and he was like at this rally and he said it in Sinhalese so, but I'll, I'll just say it in English right mm-hmm. he was like like 20 years ago or 10 years ago we only used to get 30 rupees for a dollar. Today, we get 120 rupees for a dollar. And the crowd's going wild like, yay, we're getting so much more money for our dollars. And this is important because like a lot of, a lot of Sri Lankan people, especially women go to the Middle East 
and they work as as um, as helpers in, yeah. in homes. Yeah. And so they send a lot of foreign uh, foreign exchange back to the country. So actually, one of the biggest earners of foreign exchange in Sri Lanka are, yeah. are remittances from overseas. Um, but but essentially, this guy had the balls, the audacity to be like. This is inflation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, our, 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 our uh, devaluation of our currency. Amazing. We used to get a hundred. We used to get thirty rupees for a dollar. Now it's a hundred and twenty rupees for a dollar. We're killing it, guys. And and again, I don't. I I, I don't know if there was any press around this, but like this. I, I feel like this is when they should be held accountable, right? Like press should be like this is absolutely nonsense. And I I don't. I don't. For this resignation. Yeah, but this guy's if if if. if my dad was accurate who he was talking about. This guy is still in power, oh. still around. These are, these are these evergreen politicians that don't and go anywhere. Quote, which I think comes from a former U.S. president, but who knows what quotes really come from anymore. It's like you can fool all of the people some of the time and you can fool some of the people all <laughs> of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all, all of the time. time. But I think our politicians are kind of challenging. Oh, they're masters at it. Masters at it, dude. Yeah, I just I, I just every time I think about that, I just crack up. And like I can't. It's just just the audacity of this guy to be like, yeah, I can say this in public, and the crowd will go ballistic. It's like that uh, case study they kind of keep bringing up in marketing and MBAs and shit, right? Around how was it Burger King? I can't remember now. Uh, Burger King, McDonald's, one of these chains. Uh, they introduced uh, you know a third of a pound. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like. I think it was McDonald's that had a quarter pounder, and this Burger King. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A third of a pound, but at a cheaper price. Uh, and the whole thing failed because Americans thought that one fourth of a pound is more than one, one third, third of, of a pound. pound. Oh. Four is more than three. That really happened. This really happened. It's a very famous case study. Oh wow! I, I may be getting the chains wrong, but. Yeah, this this happened. This hundred percent happened. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I don't expect everybody to understand economics. It's it's unfair. I I'm, I'm fractions. Yeah, yeah, no. Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking about my point earlier as well. It's, it, it, like I don't expect everybody to understand foreign exchange and, and exchange rates. It's it's fair. I am I get very disappointed every time I hear politicians just lie blatantly to people, knowing that these people trust them. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. it's it's. I laugh at it because, like, like I said, the audacity of this guy and the balls he had. But it's also fucking sad, right? That that this guy is like he has no shame about lying to people who are all there in support of him in one and way I or the other. He laughed that night. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, you you will not. But I'm pretty sure, like, he like go back to his his hotel room or his apartment or wherever, and he's like having a drink with other politicians. But guys, <laughs> guys, beat this. beat that. Like, hold my beer, sort of scenario, right? We just. It's gross. Like it's 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 really messed up. And I know politicians all over the world do this, but when you see it like firsthand, when people just are so happy to take advantage of people who don't know any better, mm-hmm. just for their own gain, it's it's fucked up. Well, I know one Indian politician who disagrees with you, or should I say, agrees with you, or not everyone having to know maths and and not feeling bad about. Oh, it. please tell me. Piyush Goyal, legend, or not many people may have heard of him before this. They should have, but they hadn't. But after this, he did become quite a popular man for a few days. So Piyush Goyal is talking about, once again, the state of the Indian economy. In particular, there are some very alarming GDP statistics about uh, India heading towards a very severe recession 
and GDP being, uh, you know, contracting and so on and so forth. And there had already been some very irresponsible statements thrown about around this. So there was one statement around how the movie war starring Hrithik Roshan and Tiger Shroff had crossed over 100 crore rupees. Uh, so therefore, how can the economy be in recession when people went and watched this movie? So there were already a couple of very stupid statements thrown around already. But what really took the cake was at a press conference, usual talking to the press says, you know, everywhere I see on the internet, on TV, people are talking about these GDP numbers, these GDP stats that have come in. I would just like to say, don't get into all of these numbers. Don't get into all the maths. Maths did not help Einstein discover gravity. Oh, no. Like, Please tell me he didn't right. say any of that. You're right. Maths did not help Einstein discover gravity. But it did help Newton, Newton yeah. who, who did in fact discover gravity. Oh, God. So, yeah, that is a thing that has been said and doubled down on by a minister. And, and, and these ministers, they don't resign or get fired immediately after saying or doing these stupid things, right? Not like, like, like it, it's crazy how, like, being in government, you're forgiven so much more than if you were in any other job. Like, if you were in opposition, this would 100% disqualify you. If people would ridicule you so much, you'd never win your next election. But if you're already in power, in power yeah. it doesn't affect you. Yeah, like your Teflon, right? There's like a gap in the system there. Like a very good friend of mine was telling me about okay, this is not quite first hand, but second hand. He was telling me that another friend, like a family friend, had has three kids, right? And he, this this is this gentleman was like uh, quite well to do, quite respected, and he was like, "Oh yeah, my first two kids are very smart. One's a doctor, one's going to be an engineer, or a lawyer, or something." Like that. And it's like the third one is a dud. I don't know what this person is going to do, so I think I'm going to try and put this person in politics. Talking about COVID again, we didn't have any river sacrifices. However, there were two corona or two or three corona related things I'd like to bring up over here. Uh, the first one is I believe it was March 15th uh, that the WHO declared COVID 19 a pandemic, a global pandemic. Something along those lines, yes. On March 13th, the Health Ministry of India had tweeted from its official handle coronavirus is not a health emergency. Wow. Timing. Fantastic. It showed. It showed. Once, you know, when you look at the numbers now and the number of people who are suffering from it and dying from it, it showed that this discrepancy in taking it seriously existed back then, probably exists even now. Also in March, the Deputy Finance Minister, Anurag Thakur, said that there has been, and I quote, no impact on the Indian economy due to COVID-19. None whatsoever. I think we're officially in recession for the first time ever. I hope he doesn't buy onions either. You know what? I think he comes across as the kind of guy who likes his tandoori chicken with <sighs> onion, garnish, onion garnish and things like that. So I wouldn't be so sure. Oh, man. Yeah, that's so, the kind of, uh, it's gaslighting essentially. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. You know, that's happening. And so I, I, I have a story about a petty, petty minister, right? Please. Um, this was actually, I, I saw this with my own eyes. I heard this with my own eyes and, um, I was at a function. It was hosted by this, this large hotel chain and they had invited the then minister of tourism, 
so finally, he was a minister of tourism and Christian affairs. So it was a very interesting, yeah, exactly, very interesting portfolio. So it was a, a minister of, of tourism and, and, and Christian affairs. So he was invited as a chief guest. So this hotel, what they were doing was they were promoting this event of getting crowdfunded content. Okay, nice. Right, so just getting people from all over the world coming down, taking pictures, videos of Sri Lanka, and then they were like using this to create all these cool content about Sri Lanka from different perspectives. I thought it was a great idea, very interesting. Um, so they, they, didn't, they, they had a press conference for this. I was there, they invited the minister. And then um, after the, the CEO or the chairman of this, of this hotel corporation, um, he was done with his speech. He's like, uh, and I'd like to introduce Minister So and So to come in and say a few words. So he gets up on stage. He's like, and he's like, oh, you know what? I'd like to thank So and So for organizing this, for for doing this great initiative. And then he stops. But before I continue, I noticed that there are lots of people from the press here. Okay. And I must clarify a few things. And this is I'm, I'm sounding with more Sri Lankan. Like this is kind of how he sounded, right? <laughs> He's like, now in the in the papers recently, y'all have all said and complained about the toilet situation in Sigiriya. Okay. Sigiriya, for those of you don't, that don't know, is a is a historical site in Sri Lanka. It's a big rock where there was a castle or a palace back in the day. It's beautiful. If you ever get to Sri Lanka, you should go see it. Um, it's a heritage site. A lot of tourists go there. Um, it's great. So, and, uh, and recently, apparently, there were news articles talking about how bad the conditions of the public restrooms were around, in and around um, the site. And then they were, like, blaming the tourist department for not looking into these things. So, that's the background. So, now, going back to the event, he was like, y'all have said that the bathrooms in Sigiri are, are bad. Mm-hmm. Or they're not in good condition. But please understand... The bathrooms in Sigiri are under the cultural ministry. That is not my problem. Fair, fair. And I was like, I was like, dude, fair. Fair, it's not under your purview. But this is not the time nor the place to call this out. You've been invited. He's basically hijacked his own headlines. Yeah, right. You've been invited by somebody to talk about, by this, this, this organizer who's trying to do their part in promoting tourism in Sri Lanka. And you're like, you're talking about how dirty bathrooms are somebody else's fault. Yeah, but what do you think is going to get reported tomorrow? Yeah. Your boring speech? And, or? and I was literally sitting there going like, I can't believe this has happened. This is like, this is like the kind of shit you do like when, you're, when your parents yell at you about something and you're like, yeah, okay. But you know the other thing you said? <laughs> that wasn't me. That was somebody else. Yeah. Like you should deal with that first. And and I was like, you're you're the fucking minister, right? Like, you, come you on. Think he has more political moves than that. Oh, just be, uh, just yeah, just I don't know, just like be a subtle individual for once. How good is your maths checking? Because I have a toilet story. Oh, it's not great, but I'll try. Please go on. Yeah. All right. So you know, one of the big uh, things that the BJP does a lot of publicity about the government of India does a lot of publicity about in the last few years is them trying to eradicate open defecation and building more toilets. So I'm sorry, before you continue and sorry to interrupt, I've actually seen a very funny ad, like a cartoon ad where like poops are like, like singing and dancing and going down the street. Uh, it was a big campaign. I think, I think it was done. I was all done in like the best of intentions. It was just kind of funny, but sorry, gone, gone. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Some things are too embarrassing, but in this case, uh, you know, that's been something that obviously successive governments have been trying to do, obviously. 
right? And uh, two years ago, the official Twitter handle of the BJP, the party currently in power, they wanted to make a point about how much better they have done at this compared to the Congress. So they said, and I, these were the numbers that they presented for the last eight years or something like that. They said that in you know the last four years of their rule, the Congress only built 20 lakh toilets, that's 2 million toilets, uh, using 350 crore rupees. On the other hand, to highlight their achievement, they said that the BJP has built 34 lakh or 3.4 million toilets, spending 2,100 crores. In essence, admitting to everybody who read that tweet uh, that the per toilet cost under the BJP is over three times higher, suggesting, you know what it suggests. I mean, these are just expensive toilets, man. They got the best of the best. That, that, that's what I inferred from that. Expensive contractors. <laughs> yes. Who are probably related to some of these people. Something did happen in Pakistan recently, though, that I think would have helped a lot of people take their politicians less seriously. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, the government in question here was the provincial government of the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa region. And they were actually being very forward thinking, and I applaud them for this a lot, where they were live streaming the procession of parliament on Facebook. So you could watch the parliament in session live on Facebook. Uh, great move, making it more accessible to people yeah. and whatnot. Very, very good. Except for one tiny little problem. Whoever was in charge of the broadcast left the cat filter on, which meant <laughs> that every single man, and they were all men, every single man in that broadcast, all the parliamentarians, the speaker of the house, every single person had cat ears, blush on their cheeks, and whiskers the whole time that they were live. Uh, it was a sight to behold. Wow, you it was can't, a sight to behold. You can't make this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were hearing like the voices in the background when they eventually realized the problem being like, you know, in Urdu, but they, they would be like, uh, broadcast ban karo, insaan billi banao hai. Or this like, you know, stop the video feed right now. The man has turned into a cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is actually hilarious. Like, I, I, you, 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 you can't take the politician seriously after that. Yeah, you're done. Like, your, 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 your career is you know, these, done. These are like big, serious looking guys with like, you know, Hardcore mustaches, yeah. Like they're wearing the kurta pajama and everything. Yeah, yeah. Except the cat filters. Yeah, the, the big scary South Asian man. Like, yeah. he was like, take me seriously. Yeah, I'm a. Area too, like, yeah. You know, rough part of town. Right, please, please don't get offended anyone. For oh, this man. Um, so, I have another story. Please. Um, so, there was his minister. His name was Mervyn Silva. Okay. Silva. He was notorious for being a thug. Notorious, and his son was also notorious. He'd come into clubs, start fights. I mean, there are articles about him, like he and his bodyguards, like taking guns and like hitting people with them. And like he Standard was like scary to the point, like if he walked into a club, like people would leave because he would start grabbing girls, stuff like that. Like so, like scary, right? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so this this guy Mervyn Silva, he um once was leading an anti dengue program in nice. his constituency no kudos well done it's a great it's a great <laughs> but then, On, only politicians get to suck your blood not mosquitoes yes exactly that was that was basically what they were trying to do in this program but essentially what happened was an official right who was supposed to be there uh -huh. didn't show up on time or failed to show up okay 
so when he did show up, Silva was so mad that he wasn't there for not, not for taking this seriously enough because Silva was taking Dengi seriously. Uh-huh. He tied this guy to a tree and then publicly chastised him. Ouch. Yeah, right? And then, <laughs> this guy's a legend, right? And then he... You did, sure you want to be talking about this second? I oh, he, he's not there anymore. I mean, he's not in power anymore. I mean, if he does come into power... I'll deal with that then. But yeah, thanks, man. But like essentially, but then, but there are pictures of this, right? They're in the newspapers, everything. And then he denied the accusation. And you know what he said? What did he say? He's like, oh, I didn't tie him the tree. Um, he's like, this man was repentant. And then he tied himself the tree because he felt so bad for not taking dengue seriously than not being there on time. Yeah. It's like the guy used to commit suicide by shooting themselves at the back of the head in Soviet Russia. Yeah, and then but he also said separately, he's like, uh, I but I I tied the man at the tree so that he could escape the public's wrath. So like, yeah, so like this mixed messaging. He's just saying whatever. It's just the public are in my mentalist, so they would never attack the tree. I just put put. I can't picture a government official in a supposedly free country. Yeah. Right. Tying somebody to a tree and then either yelling at them or hitting them or whatever the fuck he was doing. And, and I think we've seen worse in India to be honest. And that's like normal. Like, that's like, oh man. And, 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 and just like on the point of like, that's dumb shit, right? By some like a low level politician. Mm-hmm. But then our former president would also say and do some ridiculous things, man. So, um, there was, we in Sri Lanka we have this. Um, this is the former president, right? Not the current president. Mighty Paul Sarasen, right? Yeah. So we have this very archaic law in Sri Lanka that that has been, um, uh, I think, there since like nineteen fifties or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's actually illegal yeah. for a woman in Sri Lanka to buy alcohol. Right, so legally, a woman can't go to the supermarket and buy alcohol like a man has to do it. So there was a move to amend this law, right? So that I mean, I mean, nobody this this is not always enforced. This law is not always enforced, but it has been enforced sometimes. Where like I've actually had friends who go to the supermarket and then the teller would be like, "No, I can't serve you. It's against the law." Like in all seriousness, and they and then they like, and for the longest time, people didn't even know if this is was this true or not, and then they find out it was true. So they were going to um, like amend this law so that everybody's equal. Yeah. And Maitri Palasirisena jumps in at the last moment to save the womankind, the womankind of Sri Lanka. And the dignity he, and honor. Yes. He was like, no. After Basically, he's like, after talking with the leading monks in the, in the country, um, he, he basically said that uh, their culture, uh, our culture was getting destroyed because more women were being addicted to alcohol. But he was talking to the leading monks. Yeah. So like the monks basically said men should drink alcohol, women should not buy alcohol. Oh, women, women, uh, they're different, man. Women are you know, the weakest sex. They can't handle alcohol like men do. So like he well, was, reason, right? he I was, mean, if, if they have that mentality where like the women can't achieve enlightenment and stuff like that, they might as well get drunk. It's the men who shouldn't be allowed to drink because they actually need to reach enlightenment. For, for those of you that don't get sarcasm. Please understand that British and I are being sarcastic, yeah. and we definitely think that everybody should have the right to buy alcohol if they're, the, if they're of the legal age to do so. Uh, so please, I know a lot. I know there are people out there who don't quite get sarcasm, so I want to make that very, very clear, right? So he was like, basically he was like, "No, I'm protecting our culture because 
he said something about like the lines of consumption among Sri Lanka, consumption of beer among Sri Lankan women is increasing drastically, right? And this is around about the time when he was publicly saying we need more equality with among women, uh, we need to get more women like, engaged in politics and bring them into government. Yes, but sorry, but you're still not allowed to buy a beer if you wanted to. So just, just hilarious. Just, 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 like there are no words yeah. to be like, yeah. Nah, I mean, the cultural stuff is always there, you know. So uh, there's a university in Delhi, Jawaharlal Nehru University, JNU. It's a highly, highly respected institute. Often the only Indian institute that figures in world rankings for uh, you know, higher studies, especially at the master's PhD. Is it like an IIT level sort of situation? Well, it's more for the liberal arts. Got it. Okay. Uh, you know, and many, many, many heads of state and like diplomats and even foreign dignitaries have studied there. Many people from around the world come to further their research there. It is a highly respected institute across the world. Um, now, under the present administration, the student the students or the student bodies of JNU have often clashed with the government because uh, the students of JNU tend to be, or researchers or scholars at JNU, they tend to be quite politically active. They have a voice and that's what you want, right? In a vibrant democracy, uh, that everyone is participating in that democracy and making their voice heard. And you have people holding governments accountable and talking about what should be done and shouldn't be done and so on. But they've often clashed and for some reason, the government has seen it fit to go after those students, like have them beaten up by cops. Uh, there was a there was an idea which has now been implemented even to install a tank in the campus because that will apparently make the people feel more patriotic when they see that tank every morning and other insane stuff like that. So there was an MLA from the BJP who at some point claimed in what I can only imagine was an effort to malign the image of JNU to the rest of the country that every day 2,000 liquor bottles and 3,000 condoms are found in JNU. <laughs> now, the obvious question is, how the fuck do you know? Yeah. This guy's been like combing from the dustbins of JNU, finding used condoms and liquor bottles and counting them. I mean, what the heck is going on here? You should, you should be commending these people for practicing safe sex. Very much so. It's something the government of India promotes a lot. There we go. Right. And also in a country with as many people as India, it's not a bad thing for people to be uh, practicing safe sex. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, you know, our prime minister, after he became prime minister, was addressing a medical conference. And he decided to lead with the story of how India um, was the country that invented plastic surgery. So I don't know how familiar you are with the mythology around Lord Ganesha. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah, with, with his head being replaced with an elephant's head. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So Modi actually went at a medical conference addressing the doctors of the country and spoke about how they should be proud in the medical heritage of India, in as much as we were the first country to uh, think about and implement cosmetic surgery, as can be seen in the case of Lord Ganesha. And yeah, uh, yeah. I've yeah. been wanting on to this too. I have quite a few Modi instances to cover. <laughs> I'd love to run through them and get your reaction. About please, please. Like, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to rob you of this of this joy of sharing these uh, these these stories. Well, there, there's not Ganesha. There's been a lot of other weird mythological stuff that he said, but there was one related to Sri Lanka. It was when the former president was on a visit to India. Modi was reading off his teleprompter, but clearly not thinking too well. So he also wanted to thank uh, 
you know, Serena's wife for being there and for being on the visit and so on. So he basically ended up calling her MRS Serena instead of saying. Oh, uh, teleprompter fail. Yeah, indeed, indeed. This actually came like just a week or two after um, an anchor from the national broadcaster was fired because I think Xi Jinping was due to visit India or had just visited India or whatever, and she misread her teleprompter and called him Eleven Jinping. Oh no! You know, I mean, I mean that is a that if you, if you're a newscaster and you're introducing the 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 leader of, of China. You, should, you you probably should be fired for that. But yeah, yeah. Oh, she did lose her job, so I do feel bad. Yeah. Honestly. Okay. Uh, one of Modi's favorite things, you know, you know, Modi's education is something that's always under a shadow of doubt. There are many conflicting stories that he himself has given, um, and other times he's claimed that to have even received a master's degree. Except he was never able to produce either his bachelor's degree or a master's degree. And then they, you know, Delhi University after much cajoling. Produced a degree, but to this day, no one has ever come forward and said that you know we knew Narendra Modi when he was he, he, he was our batchmate or whatever. I remember him, and yeah, there's been none of that. There's a lot of doubt over that DU degree as well, but there's also a lot of doubt on his MA degree, supposedly from University in Gujarat, because they said that it's been awarded in entire political science. There is no course in any university in India or the world called entire political science. It's political science. That's not entire political science. So I don't know what to say about the competence of them. That even on a fake degree, they couldn't make it look, you know, even the slightest bit real. But there's a bit of doubt in this education. But we do know one thing for sure: that Modi studied the formula for a plus b whole square. Because something that he has been obsessed with in all of his speeches, and I do mean obsessed, is how. When you take the formula for a plus b whole square, you get a square plus b, b square, square plus two ab. Uh-huh. And Modi simply cannot figure out where that two ab comes from, and he's always talking about that extra two ab in his style. Like extra two ab, nikalta hai ya nahi nikalta hai? Nikalta hai ya nahi nikalta hai? Batayiye bhaiyo aur bhaiyo, nikalta hai na? A plus b into bracket into square. Jab ham karenge. So, उसमें extra two ab आता है, and he's just amazed that you get this extra two ab. So this man goes to Canada and says that I think that the relationship between India and Canada is the relationship of a plus b whole square because we always get an extra two ab out of our relationship. And on the campaign trail, he goes everywhere and says that with Modi, you will get that extra two ab. But there's an equal sign. <laughs> <laughs> that that basically says that actually it's not extra. It's it's this is equal to that. He he can't get it. He thinks the extra two ab is coming from somewhere. I don't know how to. Are you are are you are you fucking with me or? I don't know. This is one hundred percent real. But to continue on Modi for a while. So like I said, there's a lot of doubt about his past. Okay, he's spoken about selling tea at a railway platform that didn't exist when he would have been selling tea there. Sometimes he's spoken about. Being poor and having to beg for money. Other times he's spoken about being somewhere here or somewhere there. But recently, a couple of years ago, he made some statements that baffled literally everybody. Because he started talking about, and I'm sure this is coming from some election statistician that's telling him he needs better numbers amongst millenn- urban millennials or something like that. 
So Modi starts talking about how he's apparently always been a big fan of photography. Now it'll come as no surprise to anyone that he's a big fan of being photographed. We all know that. Uh, but he said that he's also a big fan of photography apparently. And he started talking about how in 1988, he used to have a digital camera and he would go and take pictures of things. And once he even was able to email a picture that he took uh, to a newspaper and his picture was on the front page of the newspaper the next day. Uh, this would have been a heartwarming story, except commercially available digital camera that Modi had in 1988, that he was able to put on a computer in 1988 and email in 1988. What the fuck is going on here? None of those things were possible in 1988. Clearly he was ahead of his time. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Okay, so like I said, he's not very good at making up these fake stories, which leads me, actually, I don't want to, I don't want to call any of these my favorite because they're all, because they're all actually like really amazing fake stories. But uh, Modi, as you know, journalists in India, like to give him a lot of credit for a lot of things and hail him as the next messiah. And so, you know, we used, we have the Nehru jacket, it's part of our traditional attire. The jacket is known as the Nehru jacket because he used to wear it all the time. Mm. Modi's taken to wearing a sleeveless jacket in the same style since then. And some people have tried to rebrand it as the Nehru jacket. Oh, uh, the, Mo- the, the Modi, Modi jacket. jacket. As the Modi jacket and so on. So in a typically sycophantic interview, that scripted interview. So this very interview was the one in which they weren't careful enough with the camera angles. And you could actually see in the notes that Modi was holding in his hand that the questions as well as his answers to those questions were wow. printed on those papers. Now, one of those questions was actually about about how he supposedly become a style icon for the youth and people are queuing up to buy Modi jackets and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the state of journalism in India. But Modi's response to this is even worse. He said, no, no, I don't consider myself a style icon and yeah, the Modi jacket, these things are not my innovations. I would say that if I have a fashion innovation, it's my short-sleeved kurta. He does wear short-sleeved kurta. And he said, you know, the story behind that is also very simple. When I was younger and I had to wash my own clothes, I would always feel, you know, why am I putting so much effort into washing these clothes? Why is it so much effort to wash these clothes? And that's why one day I had an idea that if I cut out the sleeves from my kurta, then I will have to do less washing. Wow. This is bullshit of the highest order. Why don't you just wear a fucking t-shirt, man? Why don't you cut the length of the kurta? Why don't you cut the sleeves? And by the way, you cannot cut the sleeves of a kurta in that way. You will ruin them. It would be a lot more effort than washing them. So, yeah. Well, that's Modi on supposedly inventing his kurta. But his skincare routine is even better. Now, don't ask me why he spoke about this or what prompted him to talk about this or how he came up with this story. But at an event with school children, he suddenly started talking about how people always tell him how his skin is always glowing. You know, it's basically your run-of-the-mill YouTube influencer right now who start their videos with. A lot of you have been asking about my skincare routine. And Modi decided to go ahead and do just that. He said, you know, people always say there's a glow on your face. Where does this glow come from? Starts with the same line. Well, you know, the story behind it is very simple. I am always working hard. I'm always going places and, you know, working really hard to do whatever I have to do. And, you know, four times a day, I always find myself sweating profusely. So to get this glow on my face, 
what I do is I just take the sweat off my body and I rub it thoroughly across my face. <laughs> and that's how you can see my face is always shining and as this glow. I I genuinely thought you were going to be like I use like turmeric powder or like, I I thought I thought you were going to give like a, like a legit beauty tip. But okay, do you think do you think like people feel he's more relatable when he says stuff like this i don't think anybody takes sweat off their body and comes it no, okay i mean I'm, I'm, uh, besides this like even like the the selling tea at the train station or whatever you think you think people are like oh yeah that's that's a really like, like people just be like george bush is the kind of guy i could have a drink with i could have a beer with like yeah, yeah. like that that was his like claim to fame yeah. right so do you think that that's how people look at Modi? I'm like, yeah, like, like he gets India. He comes yeah. from the streets. I mean, just like, look, every politician lies. Every so, <laughs> to, for us to expect that we can't have a politician that like it, it, that's, I feel like that's like uh, it's like unreasonable at this point in time, right? Yeah. So every politician lies. I think it's a question of like, what are you lying about, and how dangerous are your lies, right? So. To that point, like I mean, he he he's, he seems to be lying about everything, right? Yeah, like yeah. from from very minor things to like what his beauty regime is, to much more serious things, right? Well, well, my favorite story. This is the highlight, folks. Whoever's listening, all the stories after this are going to be slightly inferior. But uh, you got some gems. You may have heard about the famed Balcourt airstrike. No, well, I have not. Basically, the story goes like there was a militant attack on army officers or paramilitary officers of India in in Kashmir, and ostensibly in retaliation of that, there was an airstrike that India oversaw in Pakistan. And according to government and military sources in India, they were able to you know take out a nefarious terrorist camp in that airstrike. People from Pakistan dispute that um, satellite imagery has been looked into. There's some doubt on that story. I'm not going to comment on that. But um, in an interview that Modi sat down for, eventually he of course spoke about those airstrikes and his involvement in them. And you know, even at that time, there were headlines about how he didn't drink a single sip of water while that airstrike was happening. And you know, just like drink water. No one gives a fuck. You know, your drinking water had no bearing on that airstrike or not. Anyway, anyway. But in this sit-down interview, he starts talking about how uh, it was a very cloudy night. It's a very cloudy night when they wanted to do that airstrike. And in fact, like the you know the chief of the air force was telling Modi that no, this is not a good night for this because you know visibility is really low and there are all these clouds. So you know there's this chance that the mission doesn't go as planned. And Modi, in his own words, used his and I quote, raw wisdom. And he said that I thought there are clouds, there are visibility issues. We can take advantage of this. And I pressed upon him that no, we must absolutely proceed with the mission tonight because the clouds will hide our planes from the Pakistani radar, and that will give them stealth and invisibility, and it'll help them accomplish the mission. And you you know the rest. It all went according to plan. This is the strength of propaganda. Yeah. The strength of what you might call the politician's impunity. But coming to strength, another golden moment of Modi's reign has been when he was talking about collaboration between India and China and the strength of their relationship. And you know that two A B thing wasn't uh, an aberration. 
Modi has this thing for like abbreviations and giving things like full forms and stuff like that. It's a very weird thing. It's almost pathological. But he likes to make like short forms and abbreviations of everything. Okay, this stands for this and this stands for that. So he wanted to quote strength. So he's talking about strength and like how I would spell strength is. Tell me when you see something going wrong here. S for spirituality. T for tradition, trade, technology. R for relationship. E for entertainment. A for art. <laughs> N for nature. And H for the health sector. <laughs> oh no! Strength. Oh. Strength. Oh. I mean, A. There were three T's. <laughs> all fit in a one T. The the A. Oh my God! No. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh. <laughs> I, I I can't top some of these Modi stories. They're they're hilarious. But I know it's in in it's talking about like these ridiculous things that ministers do and like how the press kind of uh, interprets them, right? So one minister in Sri Lanka, right? He he um, yeah, he's an MP. The headline was MP asked to be made minister of monkeys, <laughs> <laughs> right? So everyone was like. Well, there's so much to unpack here. Like, how do I react to this? How do I, how do I like, what do I say? And then all the posts on Facebook and whatever being like, oh my God, our guys are all monkeys. This guy wants to be a monkey. So I read the article and he, he, he basically, he was like, look, um, he's like, there's a, it's essential to find a solution to the persisting issues surrounding wild monkeys in the country and how they interact with humans. He's like, you know, there's a, there's a task force or whatever appointed by the president to address how humans and elephants have conflict. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, there's one for batiks and handlooms and all, and, and all these will have relevant ministers. He's like, we should have somebody from monkeys uh, and to address that, and I will volunteer to be the minister of monkeys. You, you needed that when Hanuman was doing this thing during the Ramayana, <laughs> coming and and taking people from Sri Lanka. Conflict, conflict <laughs> between monkeys and humans. But, so, like, look, if I think about this, it's not a bad thing. Like, he's like, okay, there's there there seems to, the there seems to be a problem. He's like, you know, there are there are, but it's just how it's positioned and then presented and then showcased in the press, right? Like. MP asked to be made Minister of Monkeys, right? It is, <laughs> it is, it is a head-shaking, hand-palming sort of headline, right? You know, it's a big problem in India, though, in certain places, where, uh, you know, oh. wild monkeys can take over. The parliament building in India and several of the offices around there in the secretariat, they have huge monkey issues, such that there are plenty rooms where, like, documents are kept where people are now afraid to go into those rooms because there are monkeys, there. Like monkeys are almost everywhere they like gained access to the room. Oh, Once in, in the early days of COVID, there was a COVID test that was being like, you know, like there's a test tubes and stuff like that. Like the test results and like the samples were being carried out by a young scientist and monkeys stole that. And like one monkey was apparently seen drinking. Like, some, oh God. Like it's like 28 days later. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Um, no, so like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. We have like, lots of monkeys in Sri Lanka as well. So it's crazy. If I can offer some advice to that man, what they did in India was they trained langurs to scare away monkeys. What's langur? Uh, langur is like it's a different species, primate, but oh, okay. bigger and scary to monkeys. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so then there was another minister 
who was the minister of coconuts, right? This is actual thing. <laughs> he held a press conference on top of a coconut tree. Jesus. Right? Walking the walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to highlight the scarcity of coconuts in the country, because he's like, according to him in Times of India, he basically said something along the lines, something along the lines of, there's a dearth of like 700 million coconuts because of the high demand of local industries and consumptions, right? And then the Times of India article also made it a point to uh, made a point to showcase that it, it was very difficult for the minister to dismount the tree, uh-huh. and um, he had to get a lot of help getting out of his climbing contraption. So, a few things. A, I thought the headline was hilarious, right? And people were again rolling their eyes. It's very similar to the Minister of Monkey sort of headline. But B, I'm just like, what are fucking journalists doing? So when you are there. And this guy is holding a press conference. What is clearly a soundbite moment, right? Just kind of like a like a headline moment. Why are you not asking this guy? Okay, now you said that there are seven hundred million. Uh, we have a dearth of seven hundred million coconuts in the country because of high demand. So what the fuck is the plan? So what is your plan to address this outside of telling us, oh, we have a shortage of coconuts, right? So. This is the other thing I get really annoyed about the press. Like everything's a fucking headline. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to spend time actually asking a relevant question. Any 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 other good stories you have, my friend? So I promised I would come back to the legend SM Krishna. All due respect, uh, my favorite SM Krishna moment, even more than the president taking Sarabhi's case very seriously, is when he was at the UN addressing the G4 summit. And I don't know whose fault it was, but as he went up on the podium to address everyone. The speech that was in front of him was the speech of the Portuguese finance minister. SM Krishna, unfortunately, did not realize this was the case. So he started reading out the speech and he kept reading out that speech. And I guess at the start, it's kind of okay because he was talking about general issues faced by the UN that we need to tackle all together and so on. But at some point, he actually said, and I quote, on a more personal note, allow me to express my profound satisfaction regarding the happy coincidence of having two members of the Portuguese-speaking countries, Brazil and Portugal, together here today. And uh, Hardeep Puri, at that time, India's permanent representative of the UN, actually had to stand up and tell him to stop and like get the right speech and then start again. Oh, my God. Uh, so what that just tells me is that he clearly didn't even know what he was going to talk about before he got up there, right? Because, like... Clearly, someone had written a speech for him. Mm-hmm. He, he clearly had never read it before he got up there. Either that or he just felt that, yeah, okay, shout out to Portugal and Brazil. Why not? Oh, my God. I mean, I mean, I, I really wish it was written phonetically, but in Portuguese. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. If you just like, struggle through this, this speech, like mispronouncing Portuguese words, but still be like, yeah, this, this makes sense to me. I'd and like to think that even he is not that bad. I'd like to think that he would be. It would be a funny fucking story. But, oh, my God, that is, that is brilliant. Yeah, with that, let's call it a day. It's been real. It's been fun. I hope you guys listening out there had fun too. I hope you had the strand to get through this. Yes, yeah. And if you have funny stories, um, can, can people send stories our way or no? Yeah, send them in. Leave them in the comments. Yes. All right, guys. Have a good one. Talk soon.